When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Realization is the nothing personal word of the day. Realization. It is Friday. Thank God. June 16th, 2023. Nobody needs a weekend more than Commissioner Rob Manfred. You're tuning in today live on Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel, or you're downloading this show because you know that we have to talk about the commissioner. We have to talk about the Oakland A's. And it's not necessarily my favorite thing to do, given that every time we do a show like this, I stare at my phone waiting for it to ring, knowing that there are going to be some people who are not happy. But you put it on a T for me, 85 down the middle. I had the realization that Rob was going to meet the media because that's what he does. The commissioner meets the media after owners meetings. Is it a surprise to anybody that when you meet the media after owners meetings right now, the questions are going to be about the Oakland A's. The questions are going to be about the reverse boycott. The questions are going to be about relocation. Is that a shock? When you're meeting with your PR people and they're coming up with sample Q&A, and you're thinking about workshopping your answers. This was handed to the commissioner as though somebody wanted him to look good. He had an opportunity to do it all right, and it didn't work. And the reason it didn't work is twofold. The commissioner gets a pass for the first one, but not for the second. The first is that his job as Roger Goodell's job is, and Adam Silver, and Gary Bettman, and Don Garber, they are going to take all shots that are meant for owners upon themselves. That's why they make 15, 20, 30, 50 million dollars a year. They represent the owners, and they make sure the owners get as little criticism as possible. I'm good with that. I'm fine with the commissioner standing up and saying this is not John Fisher's fault. When asked why John Fisher is not meeting the media, the commissioner should and did say that is his choice. We do not mandate communication between owners and media. 100% accurate, a perfect thing to say, not even a deflection, just perfect. It is not abnormal that John Fisher is not meeting the media. It's not abnormal that John Fisher is not associated with the releases that the A's have been putting out there when they've gotten the votes from the Senate, the Assembly, and then when the governor signed the bill into law just yesterday, providing the public financing in Vegas. Owners are there when things are good, not when things are bad, normal. Many owners are uncomfortable speaking to the media, no problem. That's what a team president's for. I was always happy to do it. Did it make me five feet five instead of six feet two? Yes, it did. 
Was it difficult taking all of the blame, taking all of the heat, and when the good stuff happened, having it be the owner? Obviously, that's a thing. But when you work for someone, when you don't own it, you've got a boss, that's what they do. Rob Manford has 30 bosses, one of whom is John Fisher. Can't make him meet the media. Do I think John Fisher should have met the media? You're damn right I do. Let's move on. Second thing, this is where Rob either did not listen to his PR people or his PR people did not do a good enough job of giving him talking points. When you are presented with a sticky situation, you have to either bridge to the message you wanna get out or you have to say that you're not willing to discuss the issue at this time. There was no way to do the latter. You can't finish an owner's meeting when you had already said that there could have been a vote on relocation. When you have been talking about the Oakland A stadium situation for eight years, minimum, that's Rob Manford has been talking about it since he became commissioner. This Oakland stadium situation has been going on since the Bud Selig days. It's been going on since our stadium situation was happening in Miami. Bud Selig, his best friend was a guy named Lou Wolf. Lou Wolf was the owner of the Oakland A's. Lou Wolf tried to get a ballpark and Oakland couldn't do it. Tried to move a team to San Jose and could not get the votes. San Francisco, under the leadership of Larry Bear, made sure politicking owners and presidents that there would not be 23 votes to approve relocation of the Oakland A's to San Jose. And this is back before Rob became commissioner. The Oakland A's stadium situation is not new. It's not just John Fisher. It's been going on for over a decade and a half. So when you are preparing to meet the media and you choose not to say, I don't have a comment, then you can bridge to what your talking points are. What should be the commissioner's talking points on this issue? Let's break it down. We're gonna talk about what the talking points should be and then what he ended up saying. And we're gonna go subject by subject. Let's start with what happened generally. Generally, the response is this and what it should be when asked the following question. Commissioner, what are your feelings about what's going on with the A's and their potential relocation to Las Vegas? How do you feel about the fans? What do you say to the fans? I appreciate you asking. There is no question that this has been a long, arduous road for not just the fans, but for Major League Baseball and the owners of the Oakland A's. My job as commissioner is to have 30 healthy markets to the extent that's possible. Competitive integrity, revenue parity, competitive balance. These are all things that I've been talking about for years since I became commissioner. They were all part of the new collective bargaining agreement. We can all agree that a team with a $380 million payroll and a team whose payroll is lower than the highest priced player on that team, talk about the Mets and Verlander, 
we can all agree that that's not good for baseball. We have all been working hard to fix what ails the Oakland A's. The Oakland A's have put a competitive team on the field more than most. They are one of the most successful franchises in the American League. They have not been able to win the World Series, but they had a run of playoff teams and you can go back for two decades and look at what they've done and you can match their accomplishments among the best of the teams. But teams can only put a product on the field that is commensurate with the revenue off the field. The Oakland Hayes have had trouble building their revenue because of their stadium. This is no secret to anybody here. The fans have known about this issue. The Oakland A's season ticket base is among the lowest in baseball. Not because the team wasn't good, because the team season ticket base was at the bottom when the team was a playoff team. The reason why people were not buying season tickets is that there were not the amenities that Major League Baseball fans have come to desire, want, and expect at a Major League ballpark. The Oakland A's Coliseum was not able to provide those amenities. When you do not have the revenue associated with season ticket holders, you are put in a position where you have to make changes to your on-field team. And that is what teams do in baseball. 26 of them, not just the A's. The A's this year are in a window that is closed. I acknowledge that. John Fisher acknowledges that. Billy Bean acknowledges that. Their job, and I'm not going to get into how to do their job because they've done it better than most. They had a movie made about them. Brad Pitt played Billy Bean. Their job is to make this window as small as possible, and I believe in their ability to do that. But of course I understand fans' frustration with their inability to compete with the payroll they have because it's very difficult to compete with a low payroll, notwithstanding examples that exist this year so far in baseball. But over the long term, competing with a payroll disparity does not work. That to me is a reasonable response to a reasonable question. Instead, what Rob chose to do and started off so well, I feel sorry for the fans in Oakland, he said. I do not like this outcome. Great. I understand why they feel the way they do. Great. Stop right there. Who advised you to say, I think the real question is what is it that Oakland was prepared to do? There is no Oakland offer. Damn it, Rob. Why? Why open yourself up to a response from the mayor's office to a PR battle of quotes where it is shown and correctly shown that of course there have been offers, there have been back and forth, there have been negotiations. Every negotiation includes an offer. There is no reason to poke the bear that way. What are you achieving by doing that? They never got to the point, Rob continued, where they had a plan to build the stadium at any site. Not true. Their plan at Howard Terminal happens to be further along than their plan at the Tropicana site in Vegas. 
putting a bunch of renderings publicly out there. That's not a stadium plan. That's an art project. We understand that you have to defend your owner. So if you want to say what you just said, it's not just John Fisher. Great. The community has to provide support. Love it. That is true. But at some point you come to the realization that it's just not going to happen. Ah, why? We don't have to talk about realizations. What are the realizations? There's no done deal. You have said yourself, and you are saying it again now, of all the steps that have to be taken before relocation happens. You appointed a damn relocation committee led by Mark Antonazio, who you just went to Milwaukee to talk and threaten that Milwaukee could relocate if they don't take care of Miller Park. It's not called Miller Park anymore, whatever it's called in Milwaukee. I completely blanked, God damn it, Coca. That makes the show worse that I don't know the name. I used to know every facility name. You can just wipe it out. It's like a American Field Insurance Group Field, or is it Guaranteed Rate Field? That's in Chicago. Coca, what's it called? American Family Field. All right, so bring that back in. Ready? Wipe it. 4869. The head of the relocation committee is the owner of the Brewers, where Rob Manford just was in Milwaukee, saying that if the community does not support the renovations of American Family Field, there could be relocation. Interesting choice as head of your relocation committee, don't you think? But there's no reason to say that you have come to the realization that it's just not going to happen. There's so many steps, the relocation committee, the executive council, the full ownership, to say nothing of a stadium construction plan, proving that you can put a stadium on nine acres, a financing plan, a TV deal, a season ticket sales plan. Other than that, there's nothing to do. So already the media is looking at the commissioner during this press conference and saying, all right, not great, but let's give you another chance. Commissioner, tell me your view of the reverse, reverse boycott that just took place. Did you see it? That's a question that you prepare your commissioner for. The answer as commissioner of baseball is yes, of course I saw it. Anytime something's going on in our league, I am watching baseball games and paying attention to what's going on with our teams every single day. There is nothing that comes by surprise to me because I've got great people around me who if I haven't seen it, they inform me about it, we talk about it, and then I'll watch it. Well, that sounds like an answer that a CEO would say. You can't see everything and read everything. I miss stuff. Coca calls me and says, hey, did you see this? I'll say no. He said, read it. Okay, now I've seen it. Instead, the commissioner says, I was at dinner. Why? Why would you say something that is so, so, it's just, you're poking people. You're saying it in a way like, hey, I'm too important. I got dinners to do. I don't need to pay attention to what's going on in Oakland. I could give a flying rat's ass. I was at dinner. Bad enough that you said that. You didn't have to. But why continue? This is an all-time bad quote, and I know the people around the commissioner. They did not ask him to say this. Why he would say it? Was he flustered? 
Was he angry? Is he annoyed that he's been dealing with this since 2015? Yes. Is he tired after a week of owners meetings? Yes. Is it annoying and difficult to meet a group of media members in, an, in a press conference slash scrum? Of course, you have to be on your toes. You have to be alert. You have to be ready. Otherwise, you look like Francis Suarez talking to George Stephanopoulos. You look like an idiot. Manford's response was on the reverse boycott. I mean, it was great. It's great to see what is this year almost an average Major League Baseball crowd in the facility for one night. That's a great thing. Silence. Here's a workshop of how to handle the reverse boycott question. Did you see the reverse boycott? Of course I did. What were your thoughts? My thoughts were that when you've got a frustrated fan base, providing them an outlet, having a game where they can come out and express their displeasure with what's going on, absolutely understand. Absolutely understand why that's the one game they would choose to go to and organize to get that type of support and show the support. We've known that Oakland is a town that needs, a city that needs Major League Baseball. I've said it since 2015. I've told you that I prefer the A's to stay in Oakland. And I'm not telling you or putting it in anyone's radar that there were 7,000 people the day before the boycott and 7,000 people the day after the boycott. We all know why there's a low season ticket base and therefore why there's low attendance in Oakland. We just answered that question. Do I wish that we would not have a situation where fans want their owners to sell the team and they have that much displeasure toward an owner? Of course I do, but we've seen it before. We've seen fans be upset with owners. It is very hard for owners to ever come out looking good even sometimes winning a World Series isn't good enough. But that said, we heard the fans loud and clear. And what I want to do now is now that there is a public financing bill approved and signed into law in Nevada, and we know there's a chance for a public-private partnership, I believe that we owe it to Oakland as an industry, as a community, as a community leader to see whether or not there is a deal that can be made. And I will personally make sure that there is communication between the team and the mayor because there is nothing signed or set in Nevada. There is nothing signed or set in Oakland, but our preference has been, is, and will always be to keep teams in the communities where they already are. There's a reason only two teams have relocated in the last 50 years, the Senators and the Expos. The reason is we'd prefer to not have it happen. Why isn't that a better answer to the reverse boycott question? Why, why be cynical and sarcastic and smug about the fact that even in a boycott they only got and below average nightly attendance. There's just no reason to do it. Of course, after Rob met the media, the mayor's office in Oakland had no choice but to respond. And when you get into a battle of statements and quotes, 
It's taking away time from negotiating and seeing if you can actually come to a deal. There's only 24 hours in a day. Even if you don't sleep, let's say you get 22 and a half hours in that day. Anytime you spend wordsmithing a statement is time not spent doing what you should be doing. Anytime you are responding to somebody, you have to put your vitriol in the back seat. But politicians are not ever going to allow someone to say something that they believe to not be true and not respond because they do not want their constituencies or the people, their community, their citizens to ever think that it's their fault. So Julie Edwards did a statement on behalf of the mayor. She's the spokesperson for the mayor. They released an immediate response to what Rob said. Not all of it, not the sarcastic stuff about the boycott, not about the realization that it wasn't gonna happen. They focused on the sentence that never should have been said and they were right to respond to it. Their response was about the commissioner saying there was no offer for a stadium in Oakland. If you're gonna say something like that, you better be right. So the mayor's office came out and said, this is just totally false. It's not easy to ever come out on the side of politicians. Not for me, not for anyone. But when they say this is just totally false, do you believe them or do you believe the commissioner? I wanna believe the commissioner. I love the commissioner. Help the commissioner become the commissioner. I always wanna back up the commissioner. I'm an owner's guy, management guy. I'm not anti-union, I'm just anti the players union. I'm not anti-politicians, I just negotiate with them. But on nothing personal, my job is to tell you what's really happening. The mayor's statement continued, there was a very concrete proposal under discussion and Oakland had gone above and beyond to clear hurdles, including securing funding for infrastructure, very important. Providing an environmental review, critical to any ballpark being built and working with other agencies to finalize proposals in order to get a huge development done, which is what Oakland wanted in Oakland. Part of the thing is what the politicians have been saying is John Fisher, if he wanted nine acres and to lease land, we would have done that a decade ago. That's all he's getting in Vegas. He's not getting the right to develop squat around the stadium on the Tropicana site. He's getting nine acres. Don't think you can fit a stadium different story. Nine acres. That's it. Oakland said, holy crikeys. Are you sure? We're in. Here's nine acres right now. We've got a deal. Let's go. The deal in Oakland they wanted was a real estate play. The commissioner in meeting the media yesterday talked about how well it's worked in Atlanta, how well it's worked in Washington, how important it is for these developments to happen. St. Louis, totally ignoring the reality of what's going on in Atlanta, by the way, totally ignoring that, ignoring really what's going on in Washington, but supporting owners who want to do non-revenue sharing development around their facility. I'm talking to you, Tom Ricketts, Wrigley Field, John Henry, Boston, doing the development outside 
is another way the haves have more and the have-nots have less. And if you want a have-not to become a have, getting development around the ballpark, the rights to develop, the revenue to develop, the money to help develop it from the public, that makes your team healthier. Do I agree with it? Yeah. That's the government's job is to have development done in its community. What do you think the Inter-Miami deal is with Messi in Miami, the development at the Mel Reese Golf Course? It's a real estate deal. Billy Corbin did a whole commercial about the fact that it's a real estate deal. Normal. Just make sure you call it what it is. But those are good for the developers. They are not money makers for the public, but they are additive to the community. And what the Oakland mayor has continued to say, and what Oakland has said over the years is, we want to help develop Oakland. We don't want to lose the A's. We will work with you. But at some point, we've got to sell it to our people. We've got to get affordable housing in there. We've got to get community benefits. And I don't mean the crap that the Nevada legislature got a bunch of horse hockey that they added the amendments to the bill to get it passed. That's nothing of consequence. The ability to do a development where there is a benefit to both low-income, mid-income, and wealthy people, that's the positive. The mayor continued. The reality is the A's ownership had insisted on a multi-billion dollar, 55-acre project that included a ballpark, residential, commercial, and retail space. Sound familiar? In Las Vegas, for whatever reason, they seem satisfied with the nine-acre leased park on leased land. Sound familiar? If they proposed a similar project in Oakland, we feel confident the new ballpark would already be under construction. Microphone drop. So the commissioner is left there holding his microphone thinking, crikeys. God, I wanted to say crap, Christ, and crikeys. I ended up doing an amalgam of them. Six. Nine, nine. The commissioner is left holding his microphone saying, holy crikeys, I really screwed that up. They read these statements, they pretend they don't impact them because they truly don't impact what the decision will be with the A's. But from a PR standpoint, you're just getting crushed more and more and more. So for 22 minutes, Rob Manford meets the media, talks about the Oakland A's, and he wasn't even done there were other questions. This whole Pride Night situation has become a thing. It became a thing in the NHL, a thing in the NFL. Players and their personal beliefs, they don't believe in it, but then they do. Players are getting designated over it. If they're bad, if they're good, they're just getting, it's getting thrown under the rug. NHL teams are canceling Pride Nights, baseball. Some are having, some are not having. Turns out everyone has, but Texas, shocking. Rob Manford was asked, what do we do here? You're leaving Pride Nights up to the teams. Why wouldn't you standardize it and make it like the Mother's Day or the prostate cancer, or the breast cancer, or the Jackie Robinson Day, the Bruno Clemente Day? Why not make it a day? Are you shocked to get that question? Were you not answered? Were you not prepared? Did you think it would only be Oakland? When you're asked about Pride Night, you have to have a response ready. The response can't be, we've told teams in terms of actual uniforms and hats and bases that we don't think putting logos on them is a good idea just because of the desire to protect players. We don't want to put players in a position of doing something that may make them uncomfortable because of their personal views. 
That sounds like a statement from a commissioner who's trying to repair a relationship with his union that was so fractured during the course of collective bargaining. Except it's incredibly tone deaf toward your customers. And this is not me taking a position, though I'm happy to. But when you're asked about Pride Night and teams wanting to put a logo on the uniform, a much easier out is this. We have sponsored nights that are both run by teams and then by the league. We are very careful not to have too many league sponsored events because the needs of each team differ. The desires of each team's market and each team's ownership differ. So therefore, we made a decision that Pride Night would not be a league mandated night. And the reason is that there are so many worthy nights. There are so many underrepresented and undervalued groups of people that it would be impossible as a league to do a league-sponsored night for each of them. Therefore, we leave it up to the teams. That said, there are certain things that is not ever left up to just teams, and that is any addition to a uniform or something on the field. The uniform is standard. We have deals with companies. We have deals with sponsors. When there is a agreement amongst owners that they get a part of the uniform where they can exploit for themselves, the uniform sponsors, the uniform patches, that is a deal that we make, but that's the only ability they have to be different. My view is we wanted the same sponsor on every uniform because that would be a better way to lessen the competitive disparities and the revenue disparities. But when it comes to other issues of putting logos on your uniform, we've said no to every team on every subject. The fact that there are players who may disagree with something a team is doing is something that we let the teams deal with. The reason I would have said it that way is I don't want him in a position, if I were advising the commissioner, to have to say, hey, I don't want players to be uncomfortable because I understand that they have, could have personal views that are against homosexuality or against LGBTQ+, transgender. I don't want ever anyone to be against that because that's just tolerance. And we are a league that promotes tolerance. So I don't want anyone to ever think that we've got players who think that way. Instead of saying that we don't wanna put players in an uncomfortable position, they should be in an uncomfortable position if they don't believe in the rights of everybody. Do you feel sorry for Anthony Bass? I don't, that would have been my follow-up. Are you upset, Commissioner, that the Blue Jays designated Anthony Bass? Are you upset that he may have been uncomfortable? Give me a break. So that's what happened when the commissioner met the media. 
He's now going to go quiet for a bit. I promise you that. The Oakland A's story has more to go. I promise you that. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to review a movie that uh, was supposed to be good and was. And then we're going to talk about what Shohei Otani did last night because boy, oh boy, if you're not paying attention, then you're not paying attention. We'll be right back. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. You are 13 minutes away from the weekend. I'm not. I got a few other things to do today, but it's Friday. Thank you so much for being with us. 45 minutes every day. We will have a show Monday. It is a holiday, but we will still be live 8 a.m. because I make Coco work holidays. Coco was more than happy to. We like getting to you every day at 8 a.m. Thank you for downloading, subscribing, telling your friends, spread the word. All right, I watched a movie called Chantilly Bridge, and I watched it because the cast has Jill Eikenberry, Ali Sheedy, Patricia Richardson, Joe Beth Williams, Talia Shear, Lindsey Krause, Helen Slater, like Secret of My Success, Supergirl Helen Slater. I couldn't believe that cast. I thought this was gonna be a, a movie somehow about best friends, didn't know what it was, didn't realize that it was a sequel to Chantilly Lace, a follow-up, had no idea, had never seen that movie. I thought, because Joe Beth Williams was in The Big Chill, if you haven't seen The Big Chill, please watch The Big Chill. Please, please this weekend watch The Big Chill, written by Lawrence Kasdan, one of my all-time favorite movies with Kevin Klein, Jeff Goldblum. This movie is about a group of women who are best friends, who are brought together because of a death, sound like The Big Chill yet, and they are taking stock of their life, sound like Big Chill yet, as they think about and reminisce what it was like when they were together in the same place, but younger. And what the movie maker does here, same movie maker, is uses clips from the original Chantilly Lace as part of Chantilly Bridge. And the point of the bridge, it's a metaphor for the bridge between life and death and... I wasn't a big buyer. It's not that I didn't mind or like seeing the actresses and how good they are because they're all really good. I thought the dialogue was good. There's a newcomer. Najee Sky was brilliant in this movie, plays Helen Slater's daughter. I felt as though if I'd seen Chantilly Lace, I would have liked Chantilly Bridge better. So here's your two choices. Either don't watch Chantilly Bridge or watch Chantilly Lace first and then watch Chantilly Bridge. If you see the first, then see the second. If you haven't seen the first, don't see the second. That would be my advice. Speaking of advice, because we're giving advice to people, I think there needs to be some advice down south. Something happened during the NBA Finals, and one of you asked my opinion. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. It is a perfect weekend. Go have a run after the show, then put on half-baked. Watch it, 69 100th baked. Enjoy it. There's a character named Samson. Get into my Twitter at David P. Sampson. 
if you possibly can, or find me some other way. David, the Miami Heat had to put out a statement about the accusation that Conor McGregor sexually assaulted a fan. Would you have done that? What is the responsibility of a team for the conduct of its fans, even famous ones? I needed to address this. I'm glad you asked the question. Let me give you the background. Conor McGregor, we did a segment. I don't remember if we did a segment, Coca. Did we do the segment about Conor McGregor getting sued where I thought he should get sued by Bernie, the uh, mascot? Remember, he was punching the mascot. The mascot had to go to the hospital, but he came back. We did a segment about it sometime last week or the week before. So Conor McGregor was at the game, and uh, he punched the mascot. Apparently, he wasn't done for the night. Apparently, after the game or during halftime, at some point where they're, the way it works with Heat celebrities is they've got two clubs on either side of the court and they are areas right off the court where you go during halftime, pre or post game. There's alcohol, there's the who's who of who's who. There's beauty, there's beasts, there's drinking, there's drugs. There's a garage right down below where you can get your car. Very convenient. You don't have to ever meet with the riffraff. So Conor McGregor's back there and apparently he is now being accused for having taken a woman into a bathroom, forced her into the bathroom and forced her to do something that she did not wanna do, upon which she got out of the bathroom, immediately called lawyers and started a issue against Conor McGregor, but also included the NBA in the heat, saying that the NBA security and the Miami Heat security not only did not protect her, but in fact, they helped aided and abetted Conor McGregor in what he was doing. So legal letters were obtained by ESPN, back and forth. All of this came out on TMZ. McGregor's lawyer had to issue a statement saying that after the video was released by TMZ, the claimant's lawyer, that's the woman, has now changed her story. Mr. McGregor welcomes the investigation, which he firmly believes will show the claims against him are false. After not responding to the demand for money made by her counsel, she turned to the media to apply pressure. This is no more than a shakedown. The woman claims he violently forced himself on her inside this VIP men's bathroom, aggressively kissed her, and forced her into multiple sexual acts. Here's the thing. There are many examples, and there was a movie about this that we reviewed, a conversation that we had about this. It was called Victim Suspect. It is an impossible situation. One rotten apple sours the bunch, and protecting the bunch is so important. Protecting the rights of a woman or anybody not to be assaulted should be paramount to anything. However, Somewhere in that list is protecting an assaulter from a false accusation. It is not up to me to say whether it is unreasonable to believe that Conor McGregor would have assaulted a woman. No comment. It's not up to me to say whether Conor McGregor did assault a woman. No comment. It is up to me to say that Conor McGregor is 100% innocent until proven guilty.
It's also up to me to say that the number of extortion plots that exist out there are staggering. And it's not just to celebrities. You're being extorted every time people are hacking into you or hacking your Facebook or saying putting viruses on your computers. That's all extortion. Every single time. It is people trying to make money. The Miami Heat and the NBA had to respond to this because it's sexual assault. If this were malware put into the Miami Heat computers, someone asking money or else emails will be released, the NBA is not gonna release a statement. The Heat are gonna keep it quiet and decide whether or not they're gonna pay. But when it comes to sexual assault, you can't be quiet, nor should you. And the Heat did exactly what the Heat should do, exactly. Their statement was, we're aware of the situation. This is right in the statement handbook. The one that the commissioner did not pay attention to. The statement handbook says, when you've got a player arrested for DUI, when you have a player arrested for domestic violence, when you have a situation that happens in your arena that involves some sort of sexual assault, you say, we are aware of the allegations. We take them seriously. We will wait and not have further comment until the authorities and investigation has had a chance to play itself out. That is exactly what you need to say. It is not up to the team, other than making sure they have enough security, protecting famous people from being extorted or protecting not famous people from being assaulted is a lot harder than you think. There is security all over where the Miami Heat play and every arena and every ballpark. They can't be everything, everywhere, all at once. There are things that happen when you get a crowd of 20,000 people together. You've got eyes in the sky, you're paying attention, but it is impossible to stop everything. Not for lack of trying. That's why you see in stadiums, text nine for help. Text nine to report fan misconduct because we can't see it all. You do your best and then you address what happens after the fact when you have to. So the answer is I would have put out a statement exactly as they did. There is a responsibility to protect a team, to protect fans, to protect players, to protect famous fans, to protect women. You're trying to protect everybody. Does it work? Not always. We'll see what happens here with this story, but it's not done. There'll be more content here. Did you watch Shohei Otani yesterday? We had the Angels over the Rangers. I believe the Angels were underdogs and we're now 94 and 93 of our pick of the day because the Angels beat the Rangers three out of four. The Rangers with the second best record in baseball, the Rangers who were leading their division, the Angels beat him three out of four. Otani has been on fire, hitting home runs like he just ate his spinach, putting himself in position to be really rich. He's already in that position, to be really richer. Do you know that he leads the league in home runs? And you know he also leads the league in batting average against? I just want you to think about that as you approach your weekend, that the same player is leading the league in home runs and batting average against. It's unheard of. It makes no sense. He's a unicorn. We've never seen any player like him, and I didn't think he'd be able to do it. 
I didn't think he'd be able to consistently do it. He's having a better year now than he had last year, a better year now than he had the year he won MVP in 21. He is your American League MVP. Stop the count. 94 and 93. I was going to say stop the presses. I was going to say stop the machine. All right, we can do it better for the podcast. Four, no, I'm just kidding because we never edit it, but maybe we do. Ready? Four, six, eight, nine. Stop the count. Otani's your MVP. All right, I got two picks for you here. Tonight, I'm going to watch the Blue Jays and the Rangers. You should watch the Rangers play if you haven't. It's the lineup without DeGrom. It, they've got Simeon, who's been amazing. They've got Seager, who is slugging the hell out of the ball. They've got Garcia. They've got, a, they've got really good offense. And their pitching has been really good, which is, by the way, how you have a good record. When you wonder why your team has a bad record, and then you realize they can't pitch and they can't hit, why do you wonder that they have a bad record? And when your team can do both, generally it means they have a good record. The Blue Jays are in town. And pitching for the Blue Jays is Kevin Gausman, who has a chance to be an all-star, should be an all-star. They are minus 140 over Perez and the Rangers. That seems very heavy to me. But I like the Blue Jays. We've talked a lot about the Blue Jays. We've talked a lot about where Vladimir Guerrero's power has gone. We've thought about that a lot, maybe not talked about it a lot. I keep waiting for the Blue Jays to have their hot streak. I'm worried that I'll be waiting and I'll find Godot first. But that said, I'm happy tonight to do the Blue Jays minus 140. Tomorrow night, I'm going to be watching my brew crew. Miley and the Brewers are playing Keller and the Pirates. The Pirates are still in first place. And so are the Diamondbacks. And so are the Rangers. Wow. The Brewers have been absolutely stinky. They're back to 500, I believe, Coca. I thought the Cardinals would win that division. I thought the Cardinals would catch the Brewers. Neither of that's going to happen. I'm giving up that dream, but I'm not giving up the dream of my Brewers. We're taking the Brewers. Blue Jays over Rangers. Brewers over Pirates. As we end the week and we think about all the things that took place this week, a lot of focus has been on Oakland, on relocation. A lot of feelings are being hurt on every side. There is no victory if the A's announce they're relocating to Vegas. It's not a victory for the sport to have a city that didn't work. It's not a victory for the sport to have a ballpark that wasn't built. There are going to be a lot of statements made, a lot of steps taken. We'll be here to cover them all because what interests me is that this is a playbook that I participated in. This is a playbook that I didn't write, but I was able to implement. This is a playbook that can still be implemented. Will they? Can they? May they? It's just business. Have a great weekend. This is nothing personal. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. 
From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, Our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite.